You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject that I have coming up for you, the artist prepared for your listening pleasure, is Michael Svanberg, a.k.a. Lord Ariman. I think that's how you pronounce his pseudonym. He's the guitarist in long-running Swedish black metal outfit, Dark Funeral. There you go. They've got three dates in Australia. I believe it's only the three dates that are coming up in September 2019, the first of which is happening in Brisbane. That's great because I'm going to do my best to be at that show, and they're playing alongside of the very excellent Emoliation. Thursday the 5th of September is the date of that show. The next show is in Sydney on Friday the 6th of September at Crowbar. And the final show, well, that one's in Melbourne on Saturday the 7th. Of course, that also features emoliation as well. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. I, that's all I can see, really. I don't have a uh, comprehensive gig guide here with me, but they're the three dates that I can see from my Googling, my comprehensive Googling. There you go. So here he is. We have a conversation about some far-reaching subjects here, including his fight for other artists within the music industry. He's a good bloke, actually, and he's an excellent guitarist, an underrated guitarist, as Michael. So here he is, Lord Araman from the Swedish outfit, Dark Funeral. Things. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. How are we, how are we treating you? How are the Australian journotypes been treating you on this particular this particular press chunk that you're doing? Oh, yeah. Everybody has been really excited about our coming back to Australia, so it's all good. Yeah. I remember back in the day reading about you guys in Metal Maniacs magazine in the 90s. This is back when black metal was scary and it wasn't mainstream. And you were one of the most ferocious bands that I think anybody could poke a stick at. You guys and Marduk were. And it's so great to see that all these years later you're still going and that you've got a fan base and that you're coming to Australia. You know, and especially that you're coming to Australia with Emoliation, man. It's a hell of a double bill. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, really good to, you know, to be able to team up with them. And uh, this is this is kind of bills I personally, you know, prefers to do so. Mm. So it's good. Sweet. Well, you've got you've got six albums from which to mine material. So, what sort of show are you going to bring to Australia? Is it a bit of a, a greatest hit set, or are there songs that work better in Australia from your experience in other territories? And will you be playing them? No, we we never think about. Uh, uh, that in those terms, you know, what's going best. I mean, we we always try to, you know, for now, obviously, you know, focusing on the last record, but uh, we always, you know, bring in songs from, from all the records, you know, trying to get a good mix, you know, mm. to, to give everybody their dose of dark funeral. Uh, now we are adding a couple of songs from, from the recent uh, festival shows. Cool. Uh, and uh, the response to the to the setlist we've been doing lately is it's been almost like you said the best of kind of setlist. I don't know, but uh, some people have said it's been the best setlist so far. They heard from us, so now we're adding a couple of songs to have played in a while. So, mm. uh, so I think you know we have a good 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 setlist for for Australia. Cool, and and you've you've no doubt heard from a lot of fans over the years. But are, are we a strong territory for you guys? Like, do you hear a lot from Australian fans? Uh, yeah, it seems like we have a good following from there. 
I don't know. I mean, if mm. for the moment, uh, it feels like we have a really, really good, uh, uh, you know, feedback from from the US. It's I don't know uh, mm. why, but it's uh, I receive shitloads of mail, mails and, and stuff from from the US. Yeah. But Australia, I mean, we've been there. Is it two or three times? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I can, uh, I only have good memories, you know, from the crowd. And uh, every time I talk to someone from Australia, I, you know, I get a really good, you know, feedback on on on, on the band. So mm, cool. Yeah. Uh, so and and I know all of us are extremely looking forward to this tour. So. Oh, it's going to be fantastic, yeah. The other thing, too, that I noticed, I was listening to an interview that you did with an American journalist about two months ago or so, June or July, and she, or whoever produced the video, put some copy of you guys playing live in the background, and the sound was actually, it wasn't from one of those shitty Zoom handheld things, it was from the desk. Holy shit, you sounded unbelievable. Especially your guitar playing. I could actually hear the nuances in your guitar playing more than I can from the studio recording. So you're actually something that I don't think people realise is you're actually a very good live guitarist as well. Have you? Have, is that something that you've been focusing on recently, or or is Dark Funeral, as far as you're concerned, has that always been the arena for you guys to thrive? A bit like Cannibal Corpse is in the live arena. Well, I always consider Dark Funeral live, um, uh, but I never consider my myself as a good guitar player. <laughs> That's a uh, uh, I don't know. I always, you know, struggle and, and try to <laughs> improve myself. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm I'm very self-critical in, in that way. Uh, but I do know that. I mean, for for me, it's always been imp- important that the, when I write a song and when we record it in the studio, uh, we must be able to do it uh, as good as as in the studio live on stage too. Uh, so we're not trying to, you know to mix it too much while we're in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we practice a lot, so I know that what we what we bring in on record we can also do live on stage. So yeah. So I've uh, I have confidence in that part but but still uh, still, you know, fighting to, to better myself as a guitar player and, and mm. but I like to be on that edge when, when I write songs and riffs and, and play stuff that I barely can do, then I feel like I'm moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got it's gotta be always I like to have that kind of struggle all the time, I guess. <laughs> uh that's just, you know, what I enjoy, you know, myself. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, well uh, you you're mastering your craft. I, I don't like it when it's too easy. I don't like it when it's too easy. It's just gotta be, mm. you know, a little bit of fight and then I get get onto it. One of the things that's always really annoyed me about the guitar media, you know, Guitar World and all of those sort of magazines and online publications, is they've never given guitarists like you, and I know you're very modest about it, but I'm going to heap the praise on you here. They've never given guitarists like yourself or Rashan or Samoth your due insofar as your technical proficiency and talked about how bloody difficult it is to play black metal at you know at the speed you guys are playing it and the tremolo picking techniques that you've got to do beat after beat measure after measure for an entire show they just seem to sort of gloss over it as as extreme music and oh yeah that's them but my own feelings about it all are that there are so many virtuosos in black metal particularly emerging 
uh, bands that are coming out of your part of the world, of course, Scandinavia is the epicenter for it, Australia, South America, and of course, the United States. But it's never something, and it's something that I've always tried to do is put a spotlight on it. And it's really interesting to hear that you're very humble about your own playing because you often find that the best players are very humble about what they do. It's not this braggadocio thing like what Ingve's got. I know he's a fellow Swede, but, you know, he's been a part of his stick for many years. <laughs> he, he, he can brave over what he do because he can't play guitar. That's yeah. for sure. I know. I guess, I guess I just feel like, and that's my question for you, is do you think black metal guitarists have been given their due through the years when there are so many wonderful examples such as yourself? Uh, well... In all honesty, I, I was, you know, asked to, to do an uh, interview with Guitar Magazine a couple of years ago. Hmm. Uh, they wanted to meet me in New York, but I had to turn it down because my schedule, I, I just couldn't make it happen. Yeah. And at the same time, I, 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 re- I really don't know what to say, you know, about my guitar playing because I have no idea really what I'm doing. I know no, no music theory whatsoever. Uh so most of the time, I kind of turned down those interviews and, and reports because I, I don't know what to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, but I think if, if ever you're given the opportunity again, a fan like me would love to hear what you've got to say. Because isn't it interesting that you've achieved a level of technical proficiency that one would assume you have to be schooled to achieve? but you haven't. You've done this all off your own bat and back, and that to me is far more inspiring than somebody who comes from a moneyed background and can pay somebody extraordinary sums of money, like a conservatorium, for example, to teach them how to do things when you've had to do it all yourself. And I think that's quite inspiring, mate. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, when I picked up the guitar, I, I never looked at what other bands or guitarists are doing or anything, you know. Mm. I had no one to teach me how to play, you know. I had to figure it out myself. And, and I guess that way, I, I know I'm, I, I worked with some producer a couple of times and I heard, heard it also a couple of times that some of the stuff that I'm doing uh, is really not theoretically correct. So what? Yeah, it uh, is, yeah. Uh, if it if the riff and, and feeling in the riff is is the feeling I'm looking for, then it can't be wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. If it's seriously correct or not, it doesn't matter, you know. So, so apparently I'm doing some some stuff that shouldn't be, you know, uh, possible to to you know to do really. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you follow the theoretical laws of, of tones and stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who cares? I, I do it my way, and you know, I do it the, the way I want to have it. You know, so mm. uh, yeah, fair enough. And look, you've had to do it against a backdrop of a lot of um, what's the best word for it? Well, you've had to deal with bloody asshole record labels. You know, I've, I've been reading about your battle there with No Fashion, but a lot of bands would have packed it in. But you clearly got the music in in you when you want to bring it to the people. So. Uh, how are things these days? Uh, I'm not asking about the finances of the band, by the way, but other business arrangements. You must have learned a lot through that. You could probably write a book about your experiences with no fashion. <laughs> Would that be the case? Uh, yeah, well, I learned a lot, and I also left some good things for for the future of the music industry, actually, which not many people know about. 
Okay. One other thing that I was fighting for was the publishing uh, publishing arrangement for artists at that time, which was complete bullshit, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So while, while my case and, and all the court things were done, uh, uh, they started uh, European Music Organization for Songwriters uh, started uh, negotiating a new standard contract, uh, publishing contract, because the, the first one that we were kind of, which we didn't really sign, but we were kind of forced into this publishing deal without, you know, it was just a clausule mm-hmm. in, in a contract that said that if you sign this contract, you're obligated to, to also sign this publishing deal. But I mean, I can't sign a fucking and be binded to a contract that I've never even seen. So to make things really short, but that was one of the main thing I was fighting for. I didn't want to, you know, be stuck in a contract that I've never even fucking read. And and also a contract that, that wasn't really meant for, for music writing. It was meant for notes and not uh, actual music. Okay. Uh, so well, what happened after when we were done in court was this European music organization started to, uh, on one side, and, and the publishing business on one side started to negotiate uh, a new standard publishing contract. And, and much of the stuff that I was writing for uh, or fighting for uh, were included in the new standard contract the way I wanted it to be. Uh, so... So, uh, yeah, so I, I awesome, made dude. a couple yeah. of big mark and it was all just, you know, to protect artists rights, you know, mm. basically, but of course the, the lawyers and, and they took care of the most stuff, but, uh, the case I was uh, fighting, uh, really had, a, had an impact on, on the new standard contract. Well, good on you, mate. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, this is the thing that people who don't pay attention to what's happening in all sectors of the music industry may deny. I mean, the fact is, you're playing in a brutally uncompromising band, but you're not dumb. And I, and I say, you know what I'm saying that is that there's a perception that musicians and fans, and I'm one of these people, are fans, that we're not the sharpest tools in the sheds. Well, fuck you. Okay? I'm talking to a bloke who managed to get case law changed in Europe courtesy of your resistance to a fuckwit record label. You know, I mean, this is this is what I think, these are the stories that I think people need to hear coming from our segment of music here, because it isn't just about the music. You're fighting for a way of life. And and to your point, well, mate, you go. Sorry, you go. Yeah, well, uh, the financial side is one thing, but, you know, the music uh, that I write is, is just, I don't want to have my fucking music, uh, be, you know, violated by, by some fucking... Oh, yeah, there's that too, of course. I mean, that was the main thing, and uh, and also I, I don't want to be stuck in a contract that I've never read. So, uh, so uh, there was lots of things in, in this case. It was kind of a big case, and it took a couple of years to uh, to fight fight it. But uh, but I think I, as I said, I think I won uh, both for me and, and for the rest of the scene. Yeah, good on you, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, flying that flag uh, high. Yeah, but you, you can't just let all, well, only because some of these companies have shitloads of money, they think they can act and treat artists exactly the way they want. But I think, I wish more bands should 
really, you know, fight for their rights, basically. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it shouldn't be too fucking easy to do do the business side of things in an honest way. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to be honest when I do business, but I'm not naive or stupid, so I can really see quite easily and read people's, you know, if Their they try to fuck, fuck yeah. me and, yeah, fuck me and the band over, I, I see it quite quite immediately, and then I uh, either I just tell them to stay the fuck away, or I, I confront them and say, okay, let's start from the beginning and, and do it the right way, or we just skip it. Mm. Good on you, mate. Uh, Fans of the band are going to be very happy to hear that. You know that because it means that you've got a you you you're forward thinking. You got your business affairs in order, which is going to allow you to keep on producing the wonderful music you do. Yeah, well, Laura, I just prefer to have things simple and easy. But sometimes other other parts just make things more difficult than it has to be. It doesn't have to be so fucking difficult. No, that is. Uh, let me tell you, there's quite a few bands who used to call me uh, about, you know, legal advices and stuff. So, cool. So I guess I'm not completely out in the blue. No, of course not. And yeah, I, I can imagine why they would. You know, I mean, there's 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 whole chapters of books, autobiographies, and biographies dedicated to artists and bands getting screwed over by labels. You know, who was I reading about yesterday? An Australian band, Def FX. Okay, I know you probably haven't heard of them, but Fiona Horn, wonderful front woman. She's overflying planes in the Caribbean these days, but I think she mentioned that at, at part what they had a few peaks in the band's cycle, but they're getting paid. She was getting paid fifty bucks a night to perform, and they, these were packed out venues. It's it's fucking wrong, but it's just the way the business is set up to assume that the artists are there as pack horses and workhorses, and every all these so called hangers on and people who aren't actually adding value to the fans' experience just clean up and take the money, and it's wrong and it's. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's just been the way the record industry has been set up ever since the bloody monkeys came out to emulate the Beatles well, and the Beach Boys. Yeah, uh, most of the time it's too many middle hands in uh, yeah. between every business deal. In the eighties, uh, in the ni- early nineties, it's more direct business. Now it's uh, too many middle hands, and everybody got to have a piece of their pie. So that really fucks the artist in the end. Uh, and I wish things would go back to where it were maybe it was not the best arrangement but still you you could skip all those middle hands that doesn't really isn't really needed you know no agreed yeah agreed yeah uh but uh but bands really need to pay more attention to the kind of deal they sign into and uh, uh better make one one question too many than one too less you know Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, sometimes it's hard to know if you, you know, if, for example, of a gig, it's it's hard to know if you're really going to sell much tickets or not for for the show. Yeah. And then maybe it's, you know, if you're a newer band or whatever, you know, sometimes it's it's good to do like a percentage deal. You have a certain fixed fee, but you have in case the show really sell out, you have a percentage of of the. Uh, yeah, the door. People yeah. who come through. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, sometimes even we have those deals uh, these days because, yeah, sometimes you just don't know. Then it's, and last time we had that kind of deal, we actually made 
three times more money than than if I had a fixed fee. So there you go. So the money's going somewhere. Might as well go to you. Yeah. So so I mean, of course, things can go the other way around too. But I was glad because then I didn't. At, before those shows, I was kind of worried for the budget. But when I saw the numbers, I was like, okay, now I'm going to be able to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what I was saying. Because that's, that's sometimes you know, I'm kind of stressed. Uh, a bit. Oh, it's uh, very stressful business, but, mate. Yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. All right, mate, I better let you get to the next one. I think Mark's going to call through in about a minute or so. But thanks heaps for the conversation. Good luck with everything. Long may you continue to reign playing brutal black metal like you do, mate. But I'll do. It's very hard for me to get out and watch shows just with kids. And I've got kids these days and all the other life commitments. But you're definitely a show that I want to get to, mate. So hopefully, mate. I can yeah. be in the crowd there throwing up the horns for you. Yes, <laughs> So see you there. <laughs> Thanks, mate. All the best of it. Yes, man. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, The Syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Michael Svanberg, a.k.a. Lord Arriman from the Swedish black metal outfit, Dark Funeral. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>